0: Have you ever wondered just how Habitat for Humanity started? It was President Jimmy Carter that got things going, right? Not so fast, my friends. My name is Allie Parrish, and today on Episode 3 of Bringing Down the House, Jacalyn and I will explore the humble beginnings of Habitat for Humanity International and our local affiliate, Iowa Heartland Habitat for Humanity. You will be inspired by the heartwarming stories that inspired this global housing movement and the incredible work that has been done since it all began. We hope you stay tuned and we'd love for you to get involved with our local mission by checking out giving and volunteering opportunities on our website, webuildhabitat.org.
1: Well, how we doing, friends? (laughs) We are back again. Back, back, back again. Yeah. It's Ja'Kayla Madison here with Allie Parrish for... Bringing Down the House, Episode Three. How
0: you doing, Jekailin? You
1: know, I'm doing great. Uh, first off, I don't know if I should be calling you Allie Parrish or Allie Wreck-It Ralph Parish. Yeah,
0: I mean probably the second one. <laughs> you guys,
1: I, I mean, hope you listened to the last podcast that we had because towards the end, Allie just destroyed the set. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had to use gorilla glue. <laughs> I mean, we we were just it was it was just it was crazy.
0: It was quite embarrassing, to be honest. <laughs>
1: I mean It's fine. It's fine. It's fine, Allie. Things are bolted down now. Yeah. You know, everything should be fine, but you never know what's going to happen. Yeah.
0: They allowed me back in, so I felt like maybe it wasn't that bad. We did
1: have to sneak her in, though. There is, (laughs) if you come to Nazareth Lutheran, uh, there's actually a picture of Allie in the front office that says, don't let her in.
0: Do you think that you should tell people what I actually did, or should we just let them sit in suspense? Because they cannot see any of this, This you know. true. I mean, they're probably thinking,
1: like, what in the world did she do? I mean, so truthfully, so yes, you can't see what we're doing, but there is a stand Mm -hmm. that is holding the microphones, Mm -hmm. you know, or two of the three microphones. And Allie, how did you knock it off? I
0: don't even know. It was We were doing some passing back and forth. I mean, it just got to be a whole thing. And all of a sudden, it was dislodged.
1: <laughs> and so, you know, luckily, we had Andy here, who had the construction background, because Lord knows we needed it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it took Bob the Builder, I mean, truthfully, to be able to fix what she did. Uh, but no, we're back. We're good. And
0: No damage to the equipment, either. No, so, no, hey, we are still, good. It's still working. Honestly,
1: I'm the one that should be breaking things, but... Uh,
0: we're, we're back and Ali,
1: we're talking about a, a, a very important topic today. Not yes. that all of our topics in the past have been important, but this topic is the reason why we're here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This
1: topic is a big topic, uh, and it's going to be the history of Habitat for Humanity International. But before we get to that, ladies and gentlemen, let's get started with a mission moment, shall we? So, our mission moment uh, for today, at least my mission moment for today, yeah. uh, believe it or not, it, it's this podcast. Yeah. You know, before we, we started today, we were kind of chatting, you know, Allie and I were just chit-chatting a little bit with Nora, with an N, uh, <laughs> and, you know, we were talking about some of the feedback we received, and I mean... While you know we we are we have tough skin, you know we wanted some of our friends and you know close people to, to be honest with us. We've we've heard a lot of great positive feedback yeah and I'm just so excited that the goal that we've set out for this podcast was to inform people mm-hmm. so that people could learn about habitat and learn about affordable housing and and just some of the the, the things that come with that and people are, are walking away learning a few things they're learning that they should never give Jakayla Madison a mic <laughs> but they're also learning some other yeah. things about about habitat and and, yeah. and, and the housing crisis so I, I mean Allie, I mean what are you hearing on, on your side
0: absolutely the same thing I mean just I just really appreciate the feedback, but also I've been really happy to know that um, while people are enjoying um, tuning in for a lot of different reasons, they are walking away feeling like they learned something. And I think that's the goal of all of this. Um, There's so much to know and this this topic is so deep and so we've just been so happy to be able to to do this and it's been so much fun
1: so it has been fun i I paid her to say that (laughs) Uh, but no it it, it truthfully has been fun and for those of you that are listening out there in podcast world wherever you're listening to us on spotify apple Podcasts, anchor whatever it is uh you know go ahead and 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 leave a comment review give us a review you know tell us what you're liking. you know or if there's something that we're not covering or you want to hear, let us know because you know, we're not professionals at this. I know that we seem like it, <laughs> uh, but we're, we're really not. And we're learning yeah. and you know, we're just, we're, we're wanting to have fun. But again, we're wanting to also inform people Absolutely, as well. so absolutely. That's my mission moment. Allie, cool. did you have
0: one? Yeah. So I was just going to share, uh, I had the fortune of being able to uh, lead one of our home buyer education classes recently with our, my coworker, Mandy, um, and we put on one of the classes that, that we actually do. So we have other professionals uh, in the community that lead uh, other classes in our eleven weeks of home buyer education curriculum. But Mandy and I get to get the pleasure of leading our mortgage class. And uh... there was a
1: collective <laughs> groan I yeah, just I know. heard from everyone listening. Why is she so happy about that?
0: Mortgages. <laughs> Woohoo. <laughs> Um, and it is a it's a, you know it's a complex topic and, and all the documents and the right way to sign and all this stuff. Anyways, and um, I just like was so uplifted. That just to have a, a a classroom full of masked you know uh, homebuyers, our partner families in the program, um, just so engaged and they asked amazing questions and they like really. Um, we're really glad to be there and um, they're tired right I mean it's 5 30 on a Thursday afternoon and they all had to make childcare arrangements and all this stuff they worked and uh, yet they come to this mortgage class and um, and yet they were they were so engaged and they asked awesome questions and it just uplifts me to spend time with them that way um, and uh, be able to do that since I don't get to spend as much direct time with them you know as as the construction supervisors and Mandy sometimes do so it was really really awesome.
1: Uh, it sounds awesome and you know when you talk about those homebuyers and making the child arrangements and being there on a a, a five thirty on a thursday evening i mean that speaks to dedication Absolutely. and you know truthfully when it comes to dedication i mean our homebuyers have dedication but uh the the gentleman of the, our topic of conversation had tremendous amount of dedication ladies and gentlemen, like we said, you know, we're talking today about the history of Habitat for Humanity. And I think that, you know, this is something that I, even on the board, am still fresh to. Mm -hmm. I, and I've been very open and honest with Allie, I'm still learning every day about this organization. And when I sat down and really studied uh, where Habitat got its start from, I was just Lord, I mean, Allie. I don't know what about you, about you in particular, when you first started with this organization. But I, I was, I was r- really shocked yeah. by a lot of the information that I learned.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that was part of um, my journey with Habitat too. Is just digging into some of the roots and the and the history and the richness of that history for the, with this organization is just what makes you fall in love with it even more. Um, it is so far beyond and just just a house which for a for a family and my own family included a house means everything but I think sometimes in this day and age we can we can kind of discount and just kind of oh it's, that's cute that's habitat that's just a house and oh that's nice and pat us on our heads and keep going on our way uh, but everything with habitat has been intentional by design from the very very beginning and um, it has a really interesting and rich history
1: it does and you know when you say from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, you know. When we talk truthfully about the real beginning, it doesn't even start with habitat. Right. It starts on a farm Mm -hmm. in Georgia by the name of, now I've been practicing this all day, (laughs) Koinonia.
0: You did it! Yes! Woohoo!
1: Oh, man. You did it! Uh, You know, English is my first language, but sometimes people still question that. (laughs) Uh, But this farm in in, in Koinonia in Georgia is Mm -hmm. really where the idea for Habitat started. And yep. it was with a man by the name of Clarence Jordan. Yes. Correct. Clarence in Florida, Clarence in yeah. Florence, Jordan. Yes. You know, Allie, can you just tell us a little bit about who these people are and what that farm is?
0: Yeah. So uh, when I first learned the word koinonia, I d- didn't know what it meant either, but it is a Greek word actually. Um, and it means community and a, and a gift jointly given. And I have always loved that. And I, and it really does speak to that history. But um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Clarence, and I, and I was telling Ja'Kayla and I don't want to mess this up today because um, the history is so rich and important, um, so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Clarence. Uh, but Clarence was, uh, Clarence Jordan, he was a farmer, he was a Greek New Testament scholar, and he was a spiritual founder of Habitat. Um, so he embodied mercy, um, and he really devoted his life to living in harmony with his neighbor. Um, So it was in 1942 that Clarence founded Koinonia Farm, um, which Koinonia Farm is an interracial Christian farming community, um, which is located actually near Americus, Georgia. Um, And he and others started it as a demonstration plot for the kingdom of God. Um, So to these founders, this meant that it was an intentional community of believers sharing their lives and resources following the example of the first Christian communities as described in the Acts of the Apostles. Um, So, Koinonians shared not only their faith and resources, but also work. They farmed the land for their livelihood and sought ways to work in partnership with the land. Um, From the beginning, Koinonians emphasized the brotherhood and sisterhood of all people. So, from very much on day one, black and white workers on the farm... um, were paid a fair and equal wage Um, when the community and its guests and workers prayed or ate a meal everyone sat together at the table regardless of color Um, And so as the civil rights movement progressed, actually, in the 1950s and 60s, Koinonia became the target of boycotts and violence, but the community persisted through all of that and responded with prayer and nonviolent resistance and a renewed commitment uh, to live the gospel. Um, So as the threats of violence kind of had dwindled at that time, the Koinoneans focused on the poor quality of local housing and began a project to build decent, affordable homes for their neighbors. So um, really, and if you would go down to Koinonia today, it still exists. It's still a farm. Um, they still do a kind of a, f- a family style lifestyle, sharing their gifts uh, with everyone that's there. You can go work the farm with them. You can stay there. Um, they still, you know, provide everyone that that is there with with what they need. So um, they share in the the bounty of their art, agriculture. Um, it's just it's just a really cool place.
1: Yeah, and one of the things I was telling Allie about that just kind of shocks me is when you think of, okay, so we're talking 1940s southern Georgia. Yeah. And to hear like, oh, both black and white were treated equally, fairly, with pay, uh, everyone sat at the same table. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that idea... Was not even thought of necessarily around that time, and then yeah. to not even be wavered by the civil rights movement that was going on and, and everything that was happening. That I mean, that that I think speaks to the volume of who Clarence and Florence yeah. were as just people
0: exactly. at their core. Exactly, they were you know, just incredible. They were. I mean, yeah. they
1: they they didn't see skin color. They they saw everyone as equals, and then now we fast-forward a little bit, and now we meet two more people, and we meet uh, Millard, and I want to make sure that I get his wife's name right. Linda. Linda, thank you. It's
0: (laughs) right there in my notes! (laughs) Uh,
1: But we meet Millard and Linda Fuller, and they come in in the 70s, and, and they are... Yeah, I mean they are they're 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 a wealthy couple. Yeah, I mean there, there's no if and, or buts about it. They have everything that they need. Mm-hmm. And Ali, you said that he was a millionaire by what age of thirty?
0: Yeah, I think by twenty nine, he yeah. made his first million. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, I I I can barely make a hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, you know, Millard was a, a millionaire, and him mm-hmm. and his wife left everything mm-hmm. to go live on this farm.
0: Exactly. And, you know, as the story goes, or the truth, the truth goes, um, I think that they realized at a point in their lives that that wealth didn't bring them everything that they had kind of thought that it was going to. I think he was a very driven man, very intelligent man. Um, but I think when they realized that money wasn't buying really, truly the happiness that they really had thought that it would... Um, that's when they decided, um, this isn't it, this isn't it for us and we're gonna give that away and we're gonna work on serving um, and devote our lives to that, And which was good for their family, good for their marriage. Um, and so they did, they just kind of went around the country looking for service opportunities and happened upon Koinonia Farm and Clarence and the work that had been going on there. So um, that it was kind of happenstance.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong, uh this then, before they, again, before they started Habitat, they embarked on like this three-year uh, journey in somewhere in Africa, correct? Or was it, oh, or maybe not even Africa, uh, but helping building houses outside of America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that kind of gave them this idea of, oh, well, you know, house housing is important.
0: Absolutely. And I think that um, in the beginning... They happened upon the the farm and their their main goal was just to live on the farm with the people in this new lifestyle, you know, and that was, um, you know, really important to them to to learn from what was happening on the farm. And I think through that they were really inspired Um, and Millard and Clarence really became really close friends and um, started to think and envision, you know, something bigger in in, uh, housing ministry really through their through their involvement together on the farm.
1: Yeah, and it, 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 this is a, a quote that I, I, I was, I watched, I found an interview mm-hmm. uh, with Millard. Uh, oh gosh, I, I want to say it was probably sometime in the 80s or 90s, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's a very simple quote, and he said, housing is to a family- what soil is to a plant.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, when you when you talk about how this man has everything, yeah. you know, everything that you can think of monetarily, everything you can think of as an object, you know, he has it all. If he doesn't have it, he could buy it. Mm-hmm. He leaves it all mm-hmm. to go live on this farm. And with a quote like that, because mm-hmm. he, he goes on to say, you know, when a plant has the nutrients it needs from the soil, mm-hmm. then it can grow to be something bigger.
0: Exactly.
1: And, and then to compare that to a family, I mean, he thought a house was more than just four walls, a roof, and a door. I mean, the mm-hmm. house was the lifeblood to a successful family.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know,
1: that The idea. foresight.
0: I mean, the foresight just is is unbelievable to me. Um and I have, I have a little uh, uh, excerpt, actually, from a letter that was written. Um, Clarence and, and Millard actually had um, hosted some meetings in 1968. And this is out of those meetings is really where the, the uh, vision truly started to take form for what this partnership housing and what they would kind of create out of Koinonia Farm that would become basically Habitat for Humanity. Um, but but there was reflection out of those meetings that was written in a letter and it and it read The war on poverty was getting headlines in Washington, but Clarence and Millard wanted to wage a war on wealth. They wanted to create a way of sharing that would make the rich man a partner of the poor, the educated a partner of the uneducated, the skilled a partner of the unskilled, the laborer a partner of the thinker. They had not nailed it all down with specifics but they were thinking big. They wanted to see muscle and brain, strength and powerlessness, fat wallets and thin come together somehow. That, I, I just love that.
1: That's so profound. I love the, the fat wallets and thin yeah, come together.
0: And people of realizing matching and partnering skill sets and experiences and, and wealth and race and everything really joining in unity to do something for the good of all.
1: Um, yeah, and I mean it's no it's it's no secret that Habitat is a a, a religious based organization, mm-hmm. uh, and that I, I think people understand that and they get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think too at the same time, you know, their main goal was just to see everyone as equal. Yeah, you know, again, you know, not to go back, but that wallet, you know, fat wallet, thin wallet, that is just so. The, 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 the it's so profound and mm-hmm. again uh, you know I, I love interviews that's the I guess that's maybe the news junkie in me uh, <laughs> but uh, Millard went in to continue on in this interview mm-hmm. he quoted uh, uh, or paraphrased I should say a script a text from uh, Exodus in the Bible mm-hmm. which was uh, "Lend money to the poor." Do not charge them interest, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he he went on to say, you know, it was it's this Bible finance plan yeah. that they have, yeah, and it, it just it just it's so though th- that I, I wish that I I mean, and you know, Miller passed away back in two thousand and nine, and I just wish that I could have met him, yeah, because you don't see every day people of high wealth with such this very. Um, uh, level, I, mean, I shouldn't say level-headed, but his money didn't define who he was. Yes. It was his character.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was absolutely. his character. And
1: I honestly think, if, I mean, Miller probably, I mean, he did give it away, but he, he's like, eh, it doesn't matter if I have a million dollars or two dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, it's who I am as a person. Right. You know, and that you know, that's why I really am excited about this because people get to now really understand, you know, the grassroots, mm-hmm. you know, the real true um, history of what, this organization is built off of and i mean i think even still to this day in 2020 Mm -hmm. some you know 40 plus years after uh, what Millard and Clarence and Linda and and Florence, who was Clarence's wife, yeah, can't, can't forget Florence. No, nope. uh, we have to make sure give Florence her, her 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 time as well in the limelight. You know, we really kind of understand now. Oh, so this is what this organization is mm-hmm. about. This is the people mm-hmm. that started this organization. They were givers. They were doers. Mm-hmm. They just weren't some you know, hotshot executives that wanted to look good. Right. They were out doing the work Mm -hmm. uh, and making sure that they were giving people uh, something so uh, substantial.
0: Lasting. And yes, Mm -hmm. that's exactly
1: it. Lasting. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, the no profit aspect has been um, certainly a part of this from the very, very beginning. Um, and it's really interesting uh, thinking about Millard and how, you know, you said that he really had changed his mindset in his lifetime of, of what was the most important thing. And um, another n- another statement that he had made at one point, another quote from Millard, um, not too many years earlier, I had set myself a goal to become a millionaire as quickly as possible. Now my life had new goals. Could we be so bold as to think of building enough houses for a million people? And that is so fascinating because that was that was said before Habitat for Humanity and The Fund for Humanity actually got started in 1976. But this was the vision. And this speaks to vision too. I was just so inspired. I always am so inspired when I read about this history because these people had vision of a world truly where everyone had a decent place to live which is still our vision today but they really did they they started they had it and to have someone say that like all i thought about for a while was was making my million what if we changed our vision to providing housing for a million people and what's so fascinating is is that fast forward 40 years plus they have served 29 million people with housing solutions in those in those forty years, so that also to me speaks to vision.
1: That that does speak to vision, and it speaks to uh, again the the groundwork that these men laid. Yeah, uh, it was outstanding. Yeah, it was outstanding. I mean, now where Habitat has a presence in all fifty states and is serving over seventy countries yeah. in this world. Yeah, uh, and it's still going strong. Yeah, it's still. it's one of the biggest. Um, Housing—I uh, don't even know what you want to call developers, it developer. yeah. 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 I mean, in the world, it is, and, and it was all based off of two gentlemen and uh, a little small farm in Georgia. Yeah, that that uh,
0: still exists today.
1: That still exists today. Now, what <laughs> is the status? of Koinonia today. Yeah,
0: they still exist. Um, people can check them out. Uh, I think we'll put some links and stuff on our podcast um, um, notes today, but um, you can check them out. They still have a, a thriving agricultural business. Um, you can get the best pecans in the world out of there um and all kinds of goodies and they uh and you can actually go stay at the farm as i said so that you can you can go and stay with them eat family style be a part of things experience the farm um do an internship there there's all kinds of really cool experiences that you can have down there so i can't wait for the chance to be able to go i was all prepped to take our team uh uh, maybe the next time we were going to go for a conference and now, you know, with COVID and everything else, but I am committed that we were going to go down there.
1: Yes. Well, no. And I, I think I might, I might hit your right. Yes. Uh, we were going to have to discuss <laughs> how to say that P word though. Cause how I was raised, it's pecan, but you know,
0: well, I know I've been watching too much like holiday baking championship. It's like <laughs> pecan from some pecan, like, I don't I mean, I don't it was know. a
1: nice homemade <laughs> pecan pie is what I look forward to every Thanksgiving. Uh, but if you want your oh
0: gosh, I don't even know Pe-
1: Peca- pecan I don't know.
0: it's like pecan pecan. Can
1: there is an English teacher? We are just maybe, maybe we shouldn't maybe hold off on the reviews today. Maybe in the next, maybe in the next podcast, leave a review. Oh my goodness. This one we were going strong for about a good 22 minutes and then we just hit the rail. We derailed a big time there. Well, if
0: you want to take an issue with my pecan, <laughs> I mean,
1: deep down, the southern, the southern boy in me, okay, Allie, the Mississippi in me was really just like, it's.
0: But all right. Uh, you know, we love you, Coinania. Yes,
1: we do love you, Coinania. We, we do. And those of you that say pecan. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Allie, today, yeah. when you look at the mission and you look at what Habitat is doing, and do you, as an executive director, feel that uh, your agency, your people, the volunteers are still... Uh, living what Millard and Clarence lived all those many years ago.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I really do. It's it's when I ever reflect on and review this history, it always is astounding to me how similar in so many ways it still is to to how we operate today. So, you know, the idea of partnership housing and this idea that, you know, people would work alongside each other to help someone improve their housing or build new housing that those families that were helped would make payments into at the time, which was called the fund for humanity that would be going into this pot of money that out of which then monies could be spent on the next family's house, um, you know, as they had need or whatever. And really back in the day, in the original um, startings of Habitat, those payments into the Fund for Humanity weren't a mortgage. It was a lifetime commitment. So when they had their payments they were making into the Fund for Humanity, they made a lifetime commitment to do that. And so that there would always be this supply of funds available as people had housing need. Um, And everybody worked together. You know, so today it's really very, very similar. Yes, we have replaced those lifetime payments with a defined mortgage payment and time frame. Um, But this idea of people coming together and building houses with each other, um, you know, the partner families in our program, like I've said before in other, other, other episodes, you know, they have to put in 100 sweat equity hours helping another family build their house before they even get to talk about their own house and their own location. And that is directly... Tied to the roots of, of how this thing worked, that the idea is serving the idea of koinonia, joint a gift jointly given, and the sense of community that that is foundational and that is very very true to this day in how we operate, and then also just the idea of partnership. So um, this idea that everyone is welcome. Number one, um, we are providing equitable opportunity for families um, and that people are coming together in partnership to make it happen. You know that is still we have volunteers, we have community partners, we have staff, we have partner families, you know we have all these people coming together to do this for one family and that's what's really interesting too is when you're you're, you know you're at their dedication ceremonies for example and we kind of go through the list of all the people that made this possible And the people talk and the families talk about, you know, what they want to say about this experience, you know, what they'll say oftentimes is how floored they are and how many people came together that didn't know them, never even met them and came together to help them um, have this stable home that they can own. So it it is so still, I mean, yes, we have evolved, we have changed as we need to change, we've grown, uh, we do so many different things now, but... We are very, very true still to our to our roots,
1: I agree. and i I've said it before, and I will continue uh, to say that again, the home dedication mm-hmm. for me is the just biggest moment of the why yeah. for me. yeah, I mean when I, I and I don't know, I half the time i I, I don't have as deep of a connection with the family or I've never met the family, especially mm-hmm. in my early. Uh, stages as, as a board member uh, but that just being there and mm-hmm. meeting the kids and then seeing other people that I've never met before in this room in this house uh, for the greater good of this person it yeah. just it, it, it it's outstanding Yes. and you know Allie I'm not I don't have a million dollars obviously <laughs> <laughs> I don't either <laughs> but you know when we think of Clarence when we think mm-hmm. of Millard How can we, as a community, keep their vision alive, keep Mm -hmm. their ideas alive? What can we do to continue to forward this message of what they started back in the 40s and the 50s?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and I think one example of how to keep involved, and and I would be remiss if we didn't mention Jimmy Carter in all of this, um, because a lot of folks do think that Jimmy is the one that started it, um, but Jimmy actually didn't get involved until 1984. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is that Jimmy and his wife Rosalind have made a personal commitment to this work and being involved in this work. Since 1984, and actually uh, this year was supposed to be um, the 37th Carter work project that they they have been coming out to do work projects every year, um, and made a personal commitment that they were going to explore this, you know this. A habitat for humanity and make this a, a passionate commitment in their lives. Um, so they were going to do their 37th Carter work project this year in the Dominican actually. Um, so, and then of course the pandemic and everything else. Right. So, um, last year they did a Carter work project in Nashville. That was their 36th, uh, Carter work project since 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy was 95 last year. He's 96 years old now. Rosalind's 93 now. They, they have just devoted a lifetime of commitment to this passionate work of, of Habitat. Um, They've built or improved 4,300, almost 4,400 homes. They've worked with over 104,000 volunteers uh, throughout those 36 work projects. So I think about when I think about how others can get involved, I think about those two. And I think that, okay, yeah, you don't have to give your entire life over to this and whatever, but you just do it. You just pick up a hammer, you swing a hammer, you give your financial resources or what have you. It is life-changing to be a part of habitat for humanity and be actually involved in the transformation firsthand um to maybe maybe it's through your financial resources but you get a chance to go to a dedication ceremony or you watch a video of one of our families online or you actually get to go out and swing a hammer right alongside one of our home buyers and truly be a part of this historical um, organization that it, it, there's nothing like it. And and when you really stand side by side, um, so that, that speaks to, I think about the president's commitment to this all these years, that just speaks to how transformational it is not just for the family, but for you.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh it well, it probably won't get to him, but a huge thanks to President Garter because, mm-hmm. I i mean, I've seen this man be hospitalized, and yes. then the second he's released, yes. he's on a site somewhere building a home. Yeah. I mean, the dedication that he has showed that his wife, uh, First Lady Rosalind, or former First Lady Rosalind, has shown as well has just been uh, outstanding. And, and like I said, you know, or like you said, you don't have to be president Carter no. and his wife. Uh, but swinging a hammer is, it's a lot different when you are swinging a hammer for someone else's home, yeah. uh, than for your own. And you know, 10 bucks, maybe sure that can buy you a meal at McDonald's, but that could go far further exactly. into providing someone else a home.
0: Absolutely. And, and and I just would say just try it because it will change your life to get involved with this organization. It has changed mine. Um, it's changed the lives of my staff um, and and all the volunteers and people that we work with um, time and time again, I hear countless stories about habit, how habitat, has touched them in addition to transforming the lives of the families. So it's yeah. really cool. But so, yeah, so, I mean, a little bit about us, too. I mean, so that was Habitat International, and, and then we got involved in 1990. So that's when the roots really started to take place in our
1: community. Wow. And I think that's, you know, that that is a story that could go on and on and yeah. on forever. But people are already like, all right guys, wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But no, uh, I, I am, I, I'm really excited that we were able to talk about Millard and Clarence and yeah. who they were and really give people an idea of uh, where Habitat started from. Exactly. Because like you said, I think there are so many questions that people have of who really started it and how did it start and blah, 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 and who are these people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and to really understand that it was based off of good faith, good intentions, of men that really just wanted to do something good for people. Yes. No ulterior motive. Right. Nothing in it for them. Uh, You know, there's no kickback in houses or anything like that, whatever other rumors people have heard. It it, it truthfully was created uh, to provide housing to people that needed it the most. Absolutely. So uh, I, I, I I hope that we all can live a little bit like Millard and Clarence in our everyday life. Just a little bit. I hope so, too. Just a
0: little bit. I hope so.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is time.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Are we gluttons for punishment or what? I swear we are. I don't know why we do this. I don't know either. (laughs) Nora, just,
1: (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to somewhat make it seem like we're smart. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Nora, to the podcast. Nora, say hi to the people.
0: How's it going? All right.
1: Oh, good. You know, she sounds sad because she doesn't have to answer the questions, Alan. I
0: know. She just gets to be the asker. The yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. She's like that. It's pro- always best to be the smartest one in the room. <laughs>
1: it is. It, it, it truly is. It truthfully is. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> What Nora, are you
0: worried about? You've been killing it both times. I know. Times. Because, Allie, like... here's
1: the thing. It's like the king's fall from grace, okay? <laughs> Everyone's waiting for it to happen. Like, that's the thing. I've set this precedent now. I know. Where I've had two good runs in me. <laughs> And now, oh, well, here comes the third one. Is he Is he going to get this one? You well, know? Again, I really am hoping not. The people are hoping for me to fail, Allie. <laughs> They're wanting me to fail.
0: Well, last time it came out, I was like the most negative person on say, the planet. Allie, I was mean, like, going no to say, Allie might need to seek
1: some counseling over yeah, here, too. We still good. need to talk about that. Man, what was <laughs> it? Like 7%? Five, Five, I think. Allie knows no one in her neighborhood.
0: No. I just don't think anybody else does. <laughs> All right, Nora, what do you got for us? All right, so we are a housing podcast, so we're going to talk about an important house that Jimmy Carter actually used to live in, so we're going to talk about the White House. Oh, 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 gosh. Oh, no. Timely, Nora. Timely. Uh, Why (laughs) was the White House actually painted white? Run. I just went on a tour there a couple years ago, and I. This is think like one of those things that's like
1: extra credit on like your eighth grade history assignment or your your history test. Why was the White House painted white? Why was the White House
0: painted okay. white? Okay.
1: Mm. al Allie, you go first. Bailey, because I'm still thinking. <laughs> should, okay. Should okay. we get the rights okay. to the Jeopardy theme this song? This is a really, right really
0: bad answer, but I feel like it was some kind of like a protection. Material for the house to make sure that it didn't deteriorate. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> All right,
1: sure. Um, I'm going to say that uh, the White House was painted white because um, I w- I feel like there's a real reason, like you know something like that. Of you know, well, actually, but I, I I could see it's something as crazy as uh white would show any blemishes. Mm. You know, so mm. you know, if it was like dirty then like they would know where to clean. Oh, that, that's okay. that's literally my only thought process there. Well, so it's like it's
0: not any better than mine. But I <laughs> no like it's it. not. I like. It's not.
1: So so why was the White House painted white, Nora?
0: Well it actually was to cover up scars from a fire. So they're okay. Okay. Oh. Like, not that far
1: off. Interesting. Oh oh wait wait, when was the fire? I'm, I'm pretending. Uh, you,
0: do, do you love how I just feel like, oh,
1: wait, like I actually knew. But what was there I, I think I do. I think I may have been asleep during this humanities course in college. Oh, Archer. my goodness. There
0: was a West Wing fire in 1929 on... Christmas Eve. Oh, oh, probably a
1: Christmas tree Probably. See, like... this is why you can't have real Christmas trees.
0: <laughs> no, but that's very fascinating because one of our houses we have rehabbed, actually, there was a fire in it and the attic had, was painted white. Really? Yeah, to cover up the, the damage, smoke damage and whatever. So, hey, that's very interesting. <laughs>
1: that's, that's some news. It's also, <laughs> I also just love how, <laughs> I just love how like a group of construction people just sat there and went... Ah, paint it white. Like, was was that the discussion that was made? Like, let's not fix anything. Ah, just paint it white. It'll be fine. No No one will ever know. Like, I'm never going to look at the White House the same way again.
0: What cost efficiencies? I mean,
1: (laughs) our taxpayer money went to just covering up (laughs) blemishes. Wonderful. I love that.
0: Oh, Oh, gosh.
1: Well, thank you, Nora. Uh, We have overstayed our welcome, I feel. (laughs) And everyone's life but uh, we want to thank you so very much for joining us and hey you know we appreciate you uh, checking us out on this podcast but don't forget also you know you can find us on uh, online as well at webuildhabitat.org slash podcast Uh, we also have Facebook Instagram, and Twitter, our Facebook, Instagram. Don't you like how I said that? Yeah, that's pretty nice. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'm an actor. Not really. (laughs) No, I'm not. Uh, But Facebook and Twitter, you can find us on Bringing Down the House, pod, P-O-D, and Twitter, that is going to be B-D-T-H underscore Pod, we're all over the place now. Nice. People can't get rid of us.
0: Uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they might be trying. They,
1: trust me, they are. Yeah, they are trying. I, I'm nice. waiting for their restraining orders in yeah. the mail. Uh, <laughs> but you know, friends and family and everyone else in between, yeah. thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Bringing Down the House. We're gonna paint it white because you know that's yeah. what we do. Uh, I'm Kayla. She's Allie. Until next time, we will see you right back here.